Father, open our eyes, open our hearts to what you would have us to hear and to know from your word today. Enter into us, Lord, we pray, just as your son has entered into our world, to be just like us, to give up his life for us, and to raise us up from the dead. Bless us in his name. Amen. So today we arrive at the third and final message in our Ghost of Christmas series. Two weeks ago, we faced the ghosts of Christmas past, and we were reminded how God has wiped away all of the sins of our past, how they can never touch us again because he remembers them no more. Last week, we talked about Christmas present, how Jesus was born to be present with us here and now, and how we are then called to be present with the world. Today, we're talking about Christmas future, and in order to do that, um, I'd like to revisit that famous story about uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. So A Christmas Carol, that story, uh, we've, we've used that to very loosely kind of structure our sermon series, talking about the, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And so uh, today what we're going to look at is the scene where, where Scrooge encounters the fate that he is headed towards, that, that his sins uh, are taking him towards when he meets the ghost of Christmas future. Now, actually, for, for you uh, grammar nerds, he really should be called the ghost of Christmas future perfect subjunctive. And I knew that if I didn't say that, some of you would be distracted for the rest of the message. So I wanted to make sure we got that in there. But either way, uh, this ghost takes Scrooge to a cemetery where he makes a frightening discovery. Now, kids, uh, I'm going to show a video now, and I want to just remind you, this is pretend. Uh, when I was your age, I remember seeing this video, and it was a little bit scary, but I promise everything is going to be okay, all right? So let's, uh, let's watch this together. Spirit, whose lonely grave is this? <gasps> Why, yours, Ebenezer, the richest man in the cemetery. <laughs> Please, no, See, I told you it'd be okay. Scrooge sees that he is headed for destruction, for a lonely and a terrifying death. Fortunately, he sees the error of his ways and he promises that he's going to change. Well, in the, the Muppets telling of the story, we get an even better demonstration of Scrooge's sincere repentance. Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, please, spirit, no. Hear me, I, I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? <laughs> I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. 
I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons the spirits have taught me. Tell me that I may sponge out the writing on this stone. <laughs> oh, spirit, please speak to me. <laughs> Tell me that I may sponge out the writing on this stone, he says. Kneeling at his own tombstone, Scrooge wants to erase his name, to make right everything in his life that, that would lead him to this cold and lonely and, and terrifying death. Scrooge desperately wants to change his story. And of course, if you know the story, he is able to do just that. He gets a second chance. He wakes up on Christmas morning and he writes all of his wrongs leaving his miserly ways behind him and, and giving to the poor and, and caring for his employee, being good to his family and spreading Christmas cheer everywhere he goes. Now it's, a, it's a heartwarming story and in one sense this is a great example of what repentance looks like. Examining our own sins, the misery that, that we've caused uh, for us and for ourselves and then turning from those sins and living a new life. But in another sense, Scrooge's story is a bit misleading. Now, in order to explain what I mean by that, I'd like to share with you something uh, my son Ethan did the other night while we were home together. Uh, he's at that age where uh, he's exploring everything. He's getting into everything. He's uh, destroying everything. Uh, there was a commercial I, I overheard the other day that uh, said something about, uh, I am a toddler and I specialize in three things, breaking things, Destroying things and general mayhem, and uh, and those are Ethan's specialties as well. Uh, so the other night, uh, Ethan was was toddling around, and, and Emily was at work, and uh, he he saw this old toy of his behind one of the big chairs in our living room, and so he decided he needed it immediately, of course, and so he starts to kind of shimmy his way back there, and he's reaching his little hand out, and he's almost there, when suddenly he realizes. That not only can he not reach the toy, but he is stuck. He had gotten himself wedged between the chair and the wall, and he was completely helpless to free himself. It was then that he looked up at me and, and started to indicate frantically in his own special uh, toddler dialect that I needed to come to his rescue, which of course I did with, uh, with nary a smirk on my face. Oh, there, was, there was a little smirk there. But here's the point. The fact is we were all stuck and helpless on our own, wedged between the crushing weight of our own depravity and the eternal death that it brings. On one side and the other, we were in trouble. And so I think the biggest mistake that we can make when we consider the story of Ebenezer Scrooge is to think that he is this terribly evil man and, and that we are, are so good by comparison. Because if, apart from Christ, our future would have been... It's in your sermon outline. And that really, there are any number of words that could, uh, could be filled in there. None of them are good. Apart from Christ, our future would have been terrifying, just as Scrooge experienced the, uh, the terror of where his sins were taking him. Apart from Christ, our future would have been unimaginable. I don't even want to think where I was headed without Jesus. 
The reality is, apart from Christ, our future would have been hell. Literal hell. Separation from God and and His love and His peace forever. Like Scrooge, we were headed to full and utter destruction. All of us have a past and and maybe even a present that is riddled with sin, that, that deserves a tombstone and a fate like His. But unlike Scrooge, we cannot change our own story. Alone, apart from Christ, we are helpless. We cannot sponge out the writing on the stone. But someone can. Someone has. That was the whole message of our Christmas past service a couple of weeks ago. We cannot sponge out the writing on our stone, but God can. And he has through Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus has been poured over the record against us and has forever erased it. Remember that verse from Isaiah we looked at a couple weeks ago? Where God said, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions and I will not remember your sins. God has blotted out our sins, erasing our name from hell's ledger and inscribing it in his book of life. Christ has come, born as a human being like you and me, to erase our past. Born to be present with us here and now. Born to give us hope and a future. And so in the end, for all of its positive elements, a Christmas carol is really a story of works righteousness. It substitutes a different gospel and teaches us That the spirit of Christmas is is simply and only about being good and generous and loving towards others. Of course, these are all good things, great things that that we as Christians ought to be doing during the Christmas season and and all the year through. But I would suggest that that the true Christmas spirit is, is found in another place entirely. The true Christmas spirit is the one that first recognizes our dire need for that baby boy to be born for us, to be laid in our manger and to be nailed to our cross. The true Christmas spirit is a heart of contrite repentance and trusting faith in Christ's birth and death and resurrection that has covered over our sin. The true Christmas spirit is, is recognizing that the very spirit of God now dwells within us as a result of Christ's work for us. And then... And only then does the true Christmas spirit lead us into acts of goodness and generosity and love for others. And so for the the remainder of our message today, I'd like to reflect on the second point in your sermon outline. How in Christ, God changed your story. This is how he did it. By entering into your story, making it his story. Last week we talked about how that means that Jesus knows what it's like to be human. He's here with us. He can understand what we're going through. But today we're diving even a little deeper into what it means that Jesus became incarnate for us. Now I've been throwing that word uh, incarnate or or incarnation around uh, quite a bit the past few weeks. It comes from from Latin, which means uh, in the meat And when applied to Jesus, it it is saying that that Jesus took on the meat of our flesh and blood. 
It's, it's a feeble human attempt to try to put into words this profound mystery that, that God took on flesh and became just like us. It is this mystery that, that John was revealing to us earlier today in our, in our reading from John chapter 1 where he said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Back in the 4th century AD, there was this guy named Athanasius. And uh, I would say that he's probably in maybe the top five uh, most significant, important figures in the history of the Christian church. His most famous work was called On the Incarnation. And uh, in that little book, he wrote, It was our sorry case that caused the word to come down. Our transgression that called out his love for us so that he made haste to help us and to appear among us. It is we who were the cause of his taking human form and for our salvation that in his great love he was born. And hear this especially. He put on a body so that in the body he might find death and blot it out. Through Christ, God not only blots out our transgressions, but also their eternal consequence, death itself. Jesus was born to die in order to rescue us from death and restore us to life. One aspect of that restoration is found in our reading from Isaiah today, where Isaiah tells us that that Jesus was born to bring the family back together. I love how Isaiah puts it. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. And you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Isaiah is speaking here both of the return of the exiles that were in Babylon, uh, who he was writing to in that day, as well as our return from the exile of sin and death. After all, Christmas often brings families together. And here, the promise is that Jesus' birth into our world has brought about the restoration of the family of God. On the day when Jesus returns in glory, we will be fragmented no more. And the whole world will see that we are a family constituted, in the words of John, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And your loved ones, who have died in the Lord, for whom you have wept tears of sorrow, will rise up to embrace you. And together, in the flesh, you will weep tears of joy. Yes, in the flesh. Because Jesus was born to raise your body from the dead. The birth of Jesus in a human body means that God cares about our bodies. Because Jesus took on our skin, we know that we will one day get it back perfectly and completely restored. That everything wrong with our bodies now will be made right and perfect. Ages ago, Job professed this truth in the midst of his suffering when he said, I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed... After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. This is what Paul is talking about in our reading from Romans 8. All of creation, he says, waits in eager, groaning anticipation for the return of the one who has come to set us free from bondage 
to decay and corruption. And so we wait eagerly for redemption, the redemption of our bodies, resurrection. We are now headed not for destruction, but for redemption. We know that our destiny and our destination is life because Jesus has gone there first. In another letter, Paul writes that Christ has been raised from the dead as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because Christ sanctified the human body by by being in it and made it holy by living inside of it and then raising it from the dead, we all will be raised from the dead, spirit and flesh and blood. According to the New Testament, this is the very heart of the hope that Christ's incarnation brings to us. As Athanasius adds in his famous little book, the supreme object of his coming was to bring about the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body. This is the whole point. (laughs) This is how God changed your story, how he has sponged out your sin and death and given you hope and life. I'm looking forward to, uh, after Easter in the spring, we're going to be doing a resurrection series that will dive into this uh, much more because I think we... We, uh, as the Christian church in, in the past several years, have not really talked about this the way that we need to, the way that, that Scripture does. But it's appropriate for right now, especially because Advent is, is a time where we both celebrate Christ's incarnation in a human body to restore the human body, and also a time where we ready ourselves uh, for the day of his return, when he will come and, and fully and finally raise up and restore our world and us. So that is our Christmas future. Now speaking of Christmas future, next week is our annual Connect Christmas service. And uh, every year this is a a joyous, exciting celebration of of Christ's birth. And this year especially, we are very excited for that. We have the added bonus this year of of wrapping up our Ghost of Christmas series uh, by sharing with you next week three videos Uh, where members of our congregation share very personal stories about how God has and God is uh, impacting their past and their present and their future through the birth of Christ. Uh, So please join us for that and uh, bring a friend along too. I guarantee you that you won't want to miss it. And now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord now and